If you would, please, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We will kind of focus on verses 8 through 10 uh, and some other wondrous scriptures. As you're turning there, I have to ask a question. I'm kind of wrestling with something. Um, and um, a number of years ago, and I'm talking a number of years ago, um, Oh, man, a long time ago. When we were down at the old building, Hank Smith was still an elder. I think uh, Donna Smith was the secretary. Joe Sedbury was an elder. There was a number of people there. I did a Sunday night series on the person of the Holy Spirit. Uh, and it just covered Old Testament, New Testament. Um, and I do not even know how long uh, a series it was. It seems like it was a few years, actually, that I taught strictly focused on the Holy Spirit, what he does, um, who he is, uh, what you can blame him for and what you can't blame him for, uh, and some stuff like that. How many went through that series that are here today? I know you did. You had to. You don't have to raise your hand. Too many crickets. My wife raises her hand. Duh. You were there? Okay. You guys did. So I think... uh, Four. Okay. I, that's just what I want to know. No, you're not going to hell if you didn't go through the series. Uh, it, it has dawned on me there are things that I take for granted in the body of Christ because I have taught them. And if I taught them, you're supposed to know this. Okay. You're guilty of not knowing it or whatever. And it's obvious that there are some things that I've taught that uh, some of you weren't here for. And so, uh, huh? Well, but I mean, what I taught on the person of the Holy Spirit is what I classify as basic theology. A basic understanding. If you do not know what he does, what he did in the Old Testament, what he does in the New Testament, what his purpose is, both to believers and unbelievers, and how he works... Um, you're in trouble. But I also know that how many people really know who Christ is, Jesus. What did he do? What was this all about? And, or God, the doctrine of God. Um, you know, and it just understanding who, who is this one God in three persons? Um, and uh, then I looked at some curriculum in some seminaries and I noticed that they don't touch it. And I'm starting to think, the purpose of your people or what? No, just kidding. All right, let's read 8 through 10. Ask the Lord to teach us through the person of the Holy Spirit. (laughs) For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, and to another the word of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, and to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, and to another the effecting of miracles, and to another prophecy, and to another the distinguishing of spirits, and to another various kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues. I also wish like to uh, add verse 11, but one in the same Spirit works all these things, Distributing to each one individually just as he wills. Father, this is your word. 
Help us to hear. Help us to see. Help us to be overwhelmed by your spirit. To be overwhelmed by your will, by your purposes, by your plan. To your glory. Amen. I'm dealing with a a, a section here that um, basically I'm calling these gifts. Um, It is out of 1 Corinthians 12. Uh, I dealt with gifts of men. We are in gifts that strengthen. Uh, We will deal with gifts that signal. Uh, And we're bringing in some other texts to bear on this because other texts deal with it. And I want us to see the whole picture, the whole package. And the reason that I do that is because my brother Paul, under the power of the Spirit, writing down God's Word, says, I do not want you to be unaware Chapter 12, verse 1. You and I would agree that in the body of Christ today, is there an ignorance over spiritual gifts? Okay. Please don't think about the charismatics. Okay. I look at it on the conservative side. That's the side that I, everybody wants to stuff me into. And when I look at what they do with the Holy Spirit, it's almost like he's the one you don't talk about. I like him. I was accused of being a charismatic Okay, truthfully, I love that word. I am. I am under grace. Absolutely. I dig in that. That's a good place to be. But the reason that I was accused of being a charismatic was that I taught that if you are not anointed when you preached, you're useless. Okay, he used that word. Which one? Anointed. Because everybody, you know, they all stand up and says, I got an anointing. You might have. Okay. But the truth of the matter is, if you are not set down on by God, you're useless. <laughs> okay. The anointing says God's doing it. Okay. Well, what are we dealing with? Let me take you back. A little bit, and I want to kind of review to kind of get us all back up to speed. Ephesians chapter 4, 11 through 16. I'm going to do my best not to comment on this and just let the text talk. Okay? But you know how difficult that is for me sometimes. But I'm just going to read this and let you hear what God says. And he gave some as apostles, and some as prophets, and some as evangelists, and some as pastor. Teachers, for the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. Note that. See, I knew I couldn't do it. Unity of the faith comes from where? Knowledge of the Son of God. To a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. The church is supposed to look like Christ in its fullness. Okay, I will cruise on. As a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves that carry about of every kind of doctrine. There's that word. By the trickery of men, by the craftiness and deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects unto him who is the head, even Christ. From whom the whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies according to the proper working of each individual part causes the growth of the body 
for the building up of itself in love. Whoa! That there preach forever. That's what you're a part of. You are here to help others reach the fullness of Christ so that Christ is seen in the unity of the body of Christ that he has poured his power resources into. Now let me ask you a question. Would he ask me to do that if he wasn't planning on doing it? Would he ask you to do that? No. How would you go about doing this? You can't. You can't. It's impossible. There's words in there that we just don't like. One is doctrine. Why? Doctrine guards guards me from trickery. The schemes of men. The philosophy of the age. He says in the book to Colossians. If I don't know what the Bible says, you're a sitting duck. You're ripe fruit to be picked, to be, to be used to do the will of Satan in the body of Christ. Okay? That's an interesting th- thinking right there. And yet, how many do we see today who are trying to either do it in their own strength or their own plans or their own schemes? How do we do this? We do this because we have gifts. God has given gifts. He's given gifts of men. I just read it to you. There was apostles and prophets. You know what they laid? A foundation. You know what that foundation is? The literal translation is sound words. Okay? We translate it as doctrine. Doctrine. And we don't like that word today. I'm just going to go and you got that. Baptist doctrine. No, I'm trying to get Bible doctrine. Okay? But he gives these gifts, these gifts of men. He gave prophets, apostles and prophets. Then he gave evangelists, pastor teachers. All of them have the same focus. All of them. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastor teachers. Equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. You know what the work of ministry is, right? We like the word ministry, don't we? It's just serving. I just can serve. But for you to even serve in the body of Christ, he had to empower you to do it. You really believe you can go memorize scripture, pray without ceasing, and do all these other things, and now you will walk in the fullness of Jesus? You have that ability? It's impossible. It's impossible. But... He overwhelms you with his word, his spirit. And what happens? You disappear. He appears. It's really an amazing thing. It's really cool. Back to 1 Corinthians 12. We have a listing of some gifts. Okay? Now we're in gifts of strengthen. Right? And I shared with you a few weeks ago, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10, basically says there's two, kind of cat, there's two categories of gifts. One is a speaking gift and one is a serving gift. Okay? 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. All right? In the speaking gifts, that's where we're at right now, gifts that strengthen, we are dealing with speaking gifts. Biblically, I find 11 speaking gifts. Okay? 11? No. 
Yeah, 11 speaking gifts. Nope, that's not right. Five speaking gifts, six serving gifts. Okay? 11 types of gifts you see in the Bible. And I do not believe that this is all. Okay? I do not believe that this is all. Okay? Because I believe that in any given gift, it is covered with a multitude of gifts. So it paints this beautiful picture. Why? The body of Christ is to represent who? Christ. You can't separate Jesus Christ from the church. You can't separate Christians from Jesus Christ. You can't separate Christ from his word. And yet we try our best. We try our best. Okay? But in these two categories, speaking and serving, we have to understand gifts. And I went through this in depth. This is still review. But you understand that when you have a call... Okay, you know what that means? That's that spiritual thing that everybody talks about. Uh, when were you called? Let me tell you something. You were called before the foundations of the earth. I just read you the text. The Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as He wills. Okay, so you were already called. Okay, you may not know it, but who initiated the call? God did. Okay, and what you'll find is, is that somewhere in the middle of all that, you've always had this burden, this heart thing, this thing that you were passionate about. Uh, I know when I came to salvation, uh, I, I said, what am I supposed to do now? And the guy said, read the Gospel of John. Cool. And then I was trying to figure out, well, why ain't it in the front of the book? <laughs> why do you tell me to read the last two thirds and start out? Anyway, he didn't explain that to me. And basically, I was involved in a church that was a typical, quote-unquote, Baptist church. Let's get as many people converted as possible. Nowhere in the Bible does it tell me I'm going to convert anybody. Okay? Nowhere. But it does say I am to make disciples. Out of that grew my passion. You know what my passion is? Make disciples. How passionate is about it? I want to present every man complete in Christ. It overwhelms me. So that burden came. What? Then I see what the goal is. You will understand your goal. Here's the goal. Okay? Think about that goal. I have a burden to make disciples, and my burden is so overwhelming, all I want to do is present every man perfect in Christ. That takes me to my last one. How inadequate am I for that? Okay, that's just personal. I just give it to you. And God says, you know what? You have a call. You have a burden. You will understand the goal when you understand your inadequacy. Right? Because in the inadequacy, he says, oh, I forgot. I gave you a gift. Okay? And I I don't like that word. I'm sorry, I don't. I just don't like that word because a gift is sort of here. You got a present. You ever given gifts to somebody and they don't appreciate it? You ought to check out the body of Christ. Um, I like divine enabling. Divine enabling. I like that. The ability to do this on the power of he who spoke existence into being. I like that. You know why I like that? You know why I like that? Who can stop it? 
Okay, I've watched people. You've seen it. We've we've got books on it on on Satan and spiritual warfare and weird stuff like that. You know what's wrong with that kind of stuff? Who's the focus on? See what I mean? Who's the focus on? I could care less about him. I remember a guy one time in a Sunday school class said he never prays out loud, and I said, "Well, you know, I I could. All right, I." Whatever. And he says, why? He says, I don't want Satan to know what I'm praying for. And I said, are you calling me Satan? (laughs) No. (laughs) Do you understand that? How, How do you know where he's at? I don't know where he's at. But I can tell you this. I want him to know what I'm praying for. I want him to know. Why? Because my God spoke existence into being and my God can beat up your God. Okay? I mean, he wants to know what I'm praying. Fine. Okay? But it's taken years to do that. Why? Because do you have a divine enabling? Do you have power? And, I, and I'm not talking about plans or s- schemes. Why? Because when we understand our call, when we understand our burden, our goal, our inadequacy, guess what happens? You only receive a blessing and everyone around you will be blessed. Everyone you're involved with will be blessed. Not only that, you will bless so many people that your group together, will, which we call the church, will be a witness to the community. The lost and dying sit there and go, how do they do that? Okay, out of that, all of a sudden, leadership raises up and you start seeing it. And they are the craziest people you've ever seen. They're not the natural born leaders. They tend to be the quiet ones. They tend to be the humble ones. They will always be the humble ones. They'll be the ones you don't ever see any. I didn't see them even do anything. They all of a sudden raise up. Okay, and then when that all starts coming together, there's unity and love in the fellowship. And it becomes, like as some of you have said, it's family. And no, it's more than family. I got family members I don't like. It's more than family. It will say, even for those family members I don't like, I'll lay my life down. Because lives get touched. And you know what happens? As you touch lives, lives will touch you. And then it just gets it just gets into that snowball thing. And it's a blast. It's a blast. So what we started looking at are these gifts that strengthen. First one we looked at, prophecy. We looked at that out of Romans chapter 12. And it means it, it isn't future telling, and it just means to speak publicly. It's a now grab this. It is a supernatural ability to speak publicly. I know gifted speakers. This is not from God. There are people, have you you've seen them who can stand in front of a crowd and give a dissertation or something like that and they're just very good at it? They're not doing it by God. I'm sorry. Sorry, why? They just have that ability. They have they tend to be that outward personality person. Okay? Because the difference is the people who do this gift will do this in the power of God and the only thing they'll be speaking about will be the Word of God. Okay, This is vital. Let me give you these two verses really quick. 
chapter 14, verse 1. Pursue love, yet desire earnestly spiritual gifts. I like that. Desire spiritual gifts, all right? But especially that you may prophesy. It's urgent to the body of Christ. Verse 39, that same chapter says, Therefore, my brothers, desire earnestly to prophesy. To prophesy. Okay? So I I want you to understand, first gift that we looked at, is the prophecy, the gift of prophecy, it just means to speak before. You can speak before one person, you can speak before a thousand people. But you will always do the same thing. You will always speak forth the word of God. The second one we looked at was the word of knowledge. Logos is the word. Gnos is knowledge. Okay? Uh, this doesn't have anything to do with education, though some are educated and have the gift of knowledge. Okay? Gnosis is means that it has been learned through experience. Okay, learned through experience. There's two types of words for the word knowledge in the New Testament. One is, I already knew that. Okay, it's an inherent knowledge. Uh, the inherent knowledge of gravity. Okay, jump up. Let's see what happens. Hmm. Okay, well, if I'm standing up on a roof and I jump off and miss the roof, what will happen? All right, so that's a learn, that's a knowledge that says, hmm, make a note. Okay, but gnosis is a knowledge that is experienced and you learned it and you grab it. Okay, it's something that you went looking for. Okay, the word of knowledge, um, what does it look like? Um, well, I got a whole bunch of stuff I could give you on this. I'll, I'll stick with the ones that I like the best. Chapter 3, verse 18, 2 um, Corinthians. You can just write this down. I'll read it to you. But we all, I like that. That would be if you're saved. If you're saved, but we all with unveiled face. You know what that means, right? I can see. All right. With unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. Did you get that? Did you understand that? With an unveiled face, a Christian looks into the mirror, and what do they see? Okay. Are being transformed. Okay, that's the word metamorphosis. That would be the caterpillar butterfly thing. Into the same, what? Image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord, the Spirit. That's good stuff right there, people. That's good stuff. Okay? I'm being transformed. I can behold it in a mirror. I can see it. How? It is coming to me in gnosis. I'm learning it and I am experiencing it. I see it. Okay? That's interesting, you know, now that I think about it. Today is the anniversary of when I took the pulpit at Castle Rock Baptist Church. I just thought about that. Interesting how God brings little illustrations together. And one of the things that I do when I come to that anniversary is evaluate myself in light of God's word. Not your opinion. I love you guys. But what does God say? And how have I changed from that year? I usually do it every time I partake of the Lord's table. In the last 30 days, Lord, how does it look? And I base it on that text I just shared with you, 318. 
I look with an unveiled face into the mirror, and what do I see? What do I see? Okay? Let me give you another text, and I'll just read it. You can look at it later. Um, comes out of the book of James, chapter 1, verse 2 through 12, says this. Consider it all joy. Why? I'm looking into a mirror to see Christ. Consider it all joy, brethren, when you encounter various trials. Be happy about it. And be joyful about it. Okay? Knowing that the testing of your what? Your theology? The testing of what? Your faith. Your faith. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, perseverance. Why? I keep looking in the mirror and I see transformation from glory to glory. And even through the trials and the tribulations, I don't know that, you know what, we who are Christians today, you're either in a trial, you're coming out of a trial, or you're getting ready to enter a trial. Gosh, that doesn't sound like much fun, does it? But that's really what your walk is. Why? Because it will produce perseverance. He who abides in me, I will abide in him. All right, here's what it says. Let the endurance have its perfect result so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nada. Lacking nothing. Okay? How are you going to lack nothing? Through endurance. How are you going to get endurance? Testing of your faith. How are you going to get that? Encountering various trials. Any one of you lacks, here's the word, wisdom. Okay, Do you, let me explain something to you about the book of James. Okay, a little rabbit thing. James is the mo- one of the most corrupted books of the Bible. They do weird stuff with the book of James. Okay, he lays out why he's writing the book in the first two verses. Okay, if you're in trials, okay, if I lack wisdom, what is he talking about? If you lack wisdom, ask God. He'll give you wisdom, right? What does he say? The whole text deals with, and I'm talking the book of James, deals with the suffering of the saints. And if you can't understand why you're suffering, ask for wisdom. And he will, it says here, let him ask of God who gives it all generously without reproach and it will be given to him. But, okay, now listen, if God tells me to ask for something and then puts a but on it, I better pay attention to what he says next. What is the but therefore? He must ask in faith without any doubting. I like the word when they stick that word any in there. What is he saying? No doubting. None. Any doubting. For the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven, tossed to and fro by the wind. Man ought not to expect that he will receive anything from the Lord. If you're tossed around... Don't expect anything from the Lord. Why? Because I want endurance, God says. I want to see your faith tested, and I will bring what is necessary to test that to prove your faith and to give you endurance. And if you don't believe me, ask for wisdom. But if you do it doubting, I ain't listening. That ain't that complicated. All right, he goes on. Um... 
But the brother of humble circumstances is to the glory and high position. The rich man is the glory in his humiliation because like a flower and grass, it will pass away. And he goes through and he illustrates this. And then in verse 12, he says, blessed is the man who perseveres under trial. What he's basically saying is if you've got it made, who cares? You can have all the money, you can have all the wealth, you can have all the privileges that this world has to offer. And guess what? You show no faith. Why? Because you could be content too. But he says, the man who perseveres under trials is what? Blessed. Is blessed. Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial, for once he has been proven, he will receive a crown of life, and the Lord, <clears throat> that the, which the Lord promised to those who love him. Okay? That's good stuff right there. That, how do you get that point? Knowledge. Experience. You're going to experience it. Okay? All of that is introduction. Because I want to go back now and deal with another gift, speaking gift. And the gift is listed here in Corinthians 12. It's called the Word of Wisdom. Word of Wisdom. Logos Sophia. Logos Sophia. Okay, Logos. Let me explain to you Logos one more time. I know it sounds repetitive, but in the beginning was the Logos, and the Logos was with God, and the Logos was God. Okay, that's the word that you and I get logic from. So in the beginning was logic, and logic is God. If I want to be logical in my life, I have got to be in the Word of God. All right? But there's another word. Sophia. Sophia. That's wisdom. Okay? So it would be the Word of wisdom. The Word of wisdom. All right? The problem with the Word of wisdom is the same one that's with the Word of knowledge. It's used so many times in so many ways, it's tough to just nail it down and say this is what it is. Okay? I'm going to try. Some people, using 1 Corinthians 13, 8, says that this gift has gone to. Verse 8 says, love never fails, but if the gifts of prophecy... They will be done away with, and when it comes to tongues, and they will be ceased, and knowledge will be done away with. And they all say that this is revelatory, and this is all gone, and can't be revelatory, because it's different than knowledge. Okay? Um, Let me give you the theologian's um, understanding of the word Sophia. Here's the quote. Skill of application, how to regulate on how to regulate one's relationship with God. Okay? Now, the reason them really smart guys use that, the theologians, and I'm the guy, I got nothing against them guys. I need those guys. They, they are a crutch for my life. Okay? Um, is because in the Old Testament, the word that the Hebrews would use for knowledge was translated Sophia. And yet that term in the Old Testament was used of a watchman on the wall who watched and guarded against what was going on. Okay? So whereas knowledge is the gathering of facts, wisdom sets and evaluates what is perceived. Let me look at seeing what's going on. 
Okay, You can have the facts. You're a watchman on the wall. You can have the facts. The army is out there and they're getting ready to attack the wall. Okay, When you see them light their torches and sharpen their swords and start moving towards you, wisdom says, they're coming. I think it's about to start. Right? So that's why you see it used that way in the Septuagint, the Greek translation. All right? Wisdom is the ability to take the facts that the gift of knowledge has brought forth and skillfully apply them. Okay? Skillfully apply them. Um, you see it sometimes. I, 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 people want to keep throwing counseling in. Here's counseling. Here's counseling. And, you know, I'm seeking counsel and stuff like that. Um, I'll deal with that when I deal with the gift of exhortation. There are times that we can look and we see a problem, okay, with an individual. I see a problem with a husband, a wife, kids, something like that. I see a problem. And by the knowledge of the Word of God, we, I can draw the principles out of the Word of God, and they can be practically applied to solving that problem, okay? That is what I call counseling, okay? Please understand what counseling is. Counseling is a process. Hey, got nothing to do with God. All right? There's no gift of counseling. I've heard people say, well, I believe that the gift of exhortation is counseling. No, it ain't. I'll deal with the gift of exhortation and show you what it is. It ain't got nothing to do with counseling. Okay? But counseling, to give counsel, says that I have the gift of wisdom in a way that I have studied those with the gift of knowledge and I can look at your situation and make these biblical principles fit your situation. But... The work will only be done by the Spirit of God. By the Spirit of God. Okay? So, there are... The gift of wisdom is a person who has a knowledge of the Scriptures. Both a a very real knowledge of the Scriptures and a strong faith in the Scriptures. And they will exercise that speaking to situations. Okay, Uh, I could see counseling is the process of sharing the words of wisdom. Does that make sense? That makes sense. Okay, the word of wisdom. uh, I think Linsky. I I forgot to write down who said this quote. I think it was Linsky, but it could have been Calvin. I might have been B.B. Warfield. I don't know. But it says it is the gift of the expositor. Unquote. I like that. I really like that. It takes the word of God. That person who studies those who have the gift of knowledge. And out of that draw to those in their sphere. Okay. You know what this is? This is ministry. This is ministry. This is believer to a believer. You know what? I can't give counsel to lost people. I can't give wisdom to lost people. I can't do nothing. I can give them the gospel and watch their eyes just roll back in their head. Okay? They don't even look as brilliant as a calf at a new gate. I mean, a calf at a new gate says there's something in front of me. Lost people don't even know there's something in front of them. Okay? So the gift of wisdom has got to be believer to believer. 
You can't impart divine wisdom to a soul that's not regenerate. It hasn't got a clue what you're talking about. Not only that, you may sound foolish, a stumbling block. Um, <coughs> knowledge and wisdom are different. Please understand this. Um, have you met those? I, you know, maybe I was just cursed with it. Maybe you haven't met. They have so much Bible knowledge. I mean, just amazing. And yet they don't have a clue how it applies. Have you ever met them kind of people? I mean, they can talk and talk and talk, and you just don't even understand what they're saying. Um, it reminds me of that show years ago, The Absent-Minded Professor. Okay, uh, I remember a guy one time, uh, I, I did some subcontracting work with Martin Marietta, and I ran into this guy. This guy was brilliant. I mean, this guy, and I don't, I don't know, maybe he's just attracted to dummies. But they didn't normally let him drive. Okay? They, they just, he, was, he, thought, he, he thought too much. Okay? And you sometimes thinking, I've never had that problem, but I, I understand that you can think too much and get yourself in an accident. Anyway, um, he got a date. Um, and I don't want to mention his name because he may hear this, but he'll know it because he got a date and he called me while he was out on his date. And he had had a flat tire and asked me if I'd come and pick him and his date up. And so I went and picked him up, and I said, well, why don't you change the tire? And he says, where would I go do that? And I opened the trunk. Sure enough, there's a little tire back there and a jack. He was in awe. That car, it, and it's, you can take another tire? Wow! And I'm sitting there going, now listen, this guy is one of the mathematicians who figured out global positioning satellites. He was working on a thing for the military called Navstar and that the gravitational pull of every celestial body has some movement on our gravitational pull and therefore if you want a geosynchronous or, uh, orbiting satellite, you have to know the gravitational pull of all the stars that are visible. And so that's the kind of stuff he sits around. Why would you want to know that? <laughs> uh, well, that's why I have a little satellite dish on my house now. But that's what this guy did. He didn't know that there was a spare tire, a jack, and a tire iron in the trunk. Okay? That's just an illustration. I, have, I know people who have so much Bible study, so much Bible information, they don't know that there's a spare in the trunk. Okay? I, I mean, I know. I, do, I only do my devotions in the original language. Uh, you talking Greek? No. Sciatic Hebrew. And what? Yeah, that's how I study. Does that help? I look at it, it looks like some of the ink is rubbed off your Bible. Those are the kind of things that I see at times. You know, I shared it with my friend who's got five PhD. Okay? Um, but the gift of wisdom is a divine enabling to take these facts, these truths that have been discovered by the gift of knowledge and present them on how do they deal with us practically. Okay. You know, sometimes I shared with you, I believe that I have maybe a fifth knowledge and the rest is something else, but knowledge is not my strong suit. Um, that's why I have to read. Uh, but I believe that you have to have a little blending of a little of this. Sometimes it's lopsided. Sometimes it's lopsided. If you've run into them, you know, they get real excited and explain. I remember Steve, Spiro Zodiotis preached a message here. 
Uh, it was on a Wednesday night. It's been a number of years ago. And um, to date, I haven't got a clue what he said. Okay, he was dealing with the, the servants and the talents and the overseer and all the rest of it. And I do know this. He was really excited about it. Okay, and he embarrassed the elders because they had sit up front because they were the elders. And Wayne had already warned me, sit in the back. <laughs> and so I sat in the back. And sure enough, he just blistered them guys. You know, how come you don't know the original language? How can you be a teacher and not know the original language? I'm sitting in the back. <laughs> don't bother me. Okay, but, you know, the guy writes Greek dictionaries. So, yeah, he's probably trying to sell dictionaries. But anyway, uh, but he was excited about it. And I don't understand it to this day. We still got it. We got it on tape someplace. I listened to it a couple of months ago and said, gee, the crickets. What in the world was that man blithering? Okay, but he was excited about it. But when you start par- parsing verbs and how that participle in this clause all affects this and it comes out of this and... Uh, what? Okay, I, I didn't do good in English, so why would I? Anyway, let me give you something about wisdom. Twelve of the 27 books that make up the New Testament use the word Sophia. Use the word Sophia. Wisdom. Sophia. Okay? <clears throat> if you take the usage, I'm, I'm going to try to help you with this, and, and we'll wrap this up. If you take... The usage. Now, understand, it's used a lot. But if you take the usage, you see that it falls into five categories of wisdom. First category is attributes of God, wisdom of God. Okay? Uh, A second one is uh, personal ability. Um, Some of you, uh, Lanny's in med school, and you are going and you are gaining wisdom. You are gathering wisdom. Okay? Um, The third... One goes along with the first one. It deals with the person of Christ. He is wisdom. Okay, all wisdom comes from Christ. All right. The fourth one is human wisdom, as in opposition to God's wisdom. Okay, it's pride. Okay, but the dominant theme of Sophia in the 12 of the 27 books of the New Testament, the dominant use of the word Sophia, okay, is the spiritual understanding of God's will. Okay? So if you have the gift of wisdom, the word of wisdom, note, the word of wisdom, you must have God's word for wisdom, you will have a spiritual understanding of God's will. It's ability to understand God's will. Okay? I have 20 Bible references dealing with that. And bless your hearts, I'm not going to deal with all 20 of them. All right? But I'm going to deal with a handful of them. Uh, Gospel of Matthew chapter 11 verse 19 says this. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they said, Behold, a gluttonous man and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Yet... Wisdom is vindicated by her deeds. Okay? What was God's will for Jesus? Teresa the lost. He took it to the nation of Israel. They rejected him. And he took it to the drunkards and the tax collectors and the gluttons. Why? And it was those people who received the wisdom. Whose wisdom? God's. 
whose will. They understood the will of God. Don't you find that fascinating? The Pharisees, Gamali, was on the Sanhedrin, the Council of the Seventy that condemned Jesus Christ. That I've read some of his writings. He had a higher view of the holiness and godliness and the power and the majesty of God than even the Puritans had. And yet when God stood in front of him, he could see him not. And yet, if you were to ask the Sanhedrin or the Pharisees or the Apostle Paul before his conversion, whose will did they believe they were fulfilling? Okay, but did they have? No, did not. All right, Uh, Matthew's Gospel, chapter 13, verse 54 says this. He came to his hometown and began teaching in their synagogue so that they were astonished and said... Where did this man get this wisdom? Where did he get it? He knew the will of God. He knew the will of God. Uh, You see it in Mark chapter 6, verse 2. Whoops. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue. Many listeners were astonished, saying, Where did this man get these things, and what is this wisdom given to him? Okay. Uh, Luke chapter 7, verse 35 is in there. Luke chapter 21, that's where I'm going. 21, verse 15 says, For I will give you utterance and wisdom which none of your opponents will be able to resist or refute. Okay, what is amazing here is that he leads into this, and this is an amazing text that has really helped me a lot. Make up your minds not, <clears throat> make up your minds not to prepare beforehand to defend yourselves. For I will give you utterance and wisdom, which none of your opponents will be able to resist or refute. Um, how many of us, when you're accused, want to defend yourself? How hard is it for you to not defend yourself? Okay, why? I'll give you the wisdom you need. Uh, Acts chapter 6, when Stephen is preaching, okay, uh, Stephen is the first martyr. Oops, went too far. 6 verse 10. They were unable to cope with the wisdom and the spirit with which he was speaking. All right. Uh, James chapter 5. Let me read that to you, but one more time. Because James chapter, or sorry, James chapter 1 verse 5 says, Any of you lacks wisdom... Okay, remember what I shared with you. This is, I am suffering and I need wisdom. Wisdom would be what is the will of God in this suffering that I am in? Okay, I shared with you, um, I was at Columbine the day of the shooting. Okay, and I could not understand how is God glorified in this? What are you doing here? And it was about four days into it that I met with the district attorney, uh, Thomas, and he had this big packet of 
papers and folders and weird stuff like that. And, and I said, how are you doing? And we're just chit-chatting and all the rest of it. And he says, I don't understand this. How could this happen? And I said, what? And he says, we spend more per capita per student than any school district in, in, in America. We spend more money uh, with our uh, workings among the, the teachers and the, and the students and law enforcement than any district here on the front range. How could something like this happen? God said, there, there is my glory. When man does his best, you get Columbine. You get Columbine. Okay? Man at his best. This is what you get. Okay? Chapter 3 of James, verse 13. And I'll end with this one. There's another in 2 Peter 3.15, but I'll end with this one. 3.13 of James says... Who among you is wise and understanding? Let him show by his good behavior, his deeds and gentleness and of wisdom. Okay, gentleness, okay, and good behavior comes from where? God. And the only way you'll have that is if you know the will of God. Verse 17 of that text, same chapter. But the wisdom from above is first pure. The peaceable, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy, good fruits, unwavering, without hypocrisy. How you do that? In the will of God. In the will of God. Okay? So when you see these, these texts use wisdom and that how we know and behave in God's will. It's a manifestation of Christ. If I manifest Christ, then I have to be in His will. If I'm in His will, I'm in the will of the Father. I'm here to do my Father's bidding. Okay, when that wisdom is gone, then you know that you're not there. How is it manifest? It's manifested in the person of the Holy Spirit. What is this gift? The ability to show us the principles that we need to know and to obey to fulfill God's will. That's it in a nutshell. That's it in a nutshell. A theologian named Godet said this, Knowledge makes the teacher Wisdom makes the preacher pastor. I like that. I like that. Knowledge collects the facts. Wisdom takes those facts and gives it the application. Okay? Knowledge says study your Bible. Wisdom tells you why. Why? So that you may have the mind of Christ. All right. Is it important? Oh, absolutely. People try to eliminate these gifts. And eliminate knowledge, what are you going to call the theologian? Okay. If you eliminate wisdom, what do you call the ability to take truth and apply it to a life? Okay. Why do we have to give it new names? Why do we have to give it new names? God gave us some really cool words. Really good words. And you know what? God still has His people ministering in knowledge and wisdom and prophecy. It's just for some reason in our arrogance we want to change the names, call it something else. Okay? I don't believe in the gift of counseling. I do not believe in the gift of wisdom. But the gift of wisdom is only good if I'm using the logos. Same thing with knowledge. I know some people who got some great knowledge, but it will not surpass the logos. Of knowledge. Can't. It's impossible. You know, I'm going to use Lanny as an illustration. 
Sorry, dude. <clears throat> Lanny is studying for his boards. Pray for him and his wife. Okay, I don't know what it's about, but anytime I hear boards and studying, ooh, sounds awful. No, that's not true. I've had to study for my boards uh, as an electrician numerous times, and it's, it's a pain in the butt. But ours is an open book test, but we only have one book. Lanny doesn't. Okay, when Lanny gets done, he's going to be able to do some really bizarre stuff. Okay, really bizarre stuff. But you know what? If he aces his boards and memorize all that is in there, he still cannot touch a man's soul. Okay? Can't touch it. And yet it's going to be in the same piece of flesh. It's in there. I know it's in there. But if we take the word of knowledge, those gifted people, and grab what they've got and apply it to other people, do you know that you literally can be involved in the eternal destination of souls? That's totally cool. That's totally cool. Understand your call, understand your burden, understand the goal, and understand your inadequacies. You will be drawn to the body of Christ. There your gift will become manifest. You will receive blessing. You will be a witness. You, will lead, you may even step into leadership. And you know what? There will be a unity and a love and a fellowship that you will just rock your universe. You'll never know it. You'll never, you'll never know this if you do not bow before the authority of the book. And say, here I am. Pour me out as a drink offering. And that's what it's all about. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the amazing things you've done. And Lord, I just thank you for these gifts. Father, the things you've already shown me. And Lord, how inadequate. Lord, I, I just pray that you give me more wisdom. And Father, that I may be able to apply the amazing things you show me. First to myself. But, Father, then to all that would come in my path. Father, let us who are gathered here this day decrease that you may increase. May we understand that spiritual gifts are a divine power. It has nothing to do with talent. It does not have to do with social economic position. It only and solely is dealt with when the Holy God pours and manifests you. You, incarnate man. Father, let your bride be unified. Let her be strengthened. Let the love of the brethren be overwhelming. Let there be brotherly love that we consider others more important and we devoted to one another. And yet, Lord, I know that this is only done through your spirit and his gifting as he pleases. Help us, Lord. Help us to understand this. Help us to draw upon this. Help us to rest full weight in the mercies of this. Father, I love you. May your love overwhelm me in such a way that I won't love you in the futility of humanity, but I'll love you with the divine enabling. Father, may that be the passion of this, this body of people to your glory. Amen.